Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Everyone, welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend for our weekly year-round show. And the scene has shifted to Indian Spring Training in Goodyear, Arizona. Great to join you from Goodyear Ballpark where we are getting ready for baseball action on Saturday. The Indians taking on the White Sox for the first time this spring. And uh, those figure to be great games during the regular season with so many of the national pundits picking the White Sox to not only win the division, but be a contender to take the American League pennant and represent the AL in the World Series. We'll see. Uh, Still some steps to be taken for Chicago. The Indians will have a lot to say about that, as will the Minnesota Twins in the division. And who knows, maybe the Royals, too. They look to be improved. But anyway, Tribe taking on uh, the White Sox. That's a radio game on the Indians radio network, a 3.05 Eastern time first pitch. So if you're listening to this, Prior to the game, hopefully you have a chance to tune in to that. And the weekend continues with a Sunday game over in Mesa against the Athletics, also at 3.05, and that's a webcast exclusive on Indians.com. Loaded show for you today. Later on in our program, we will hear from Indians pitching coach Carl Willis, also Tribe reliever Phil Maton, and one of the top prospects in the Indians farm system, Nolan Jones. But let's get right to the activity as Zach Plesak had a chance to join us earlier this spring, coming off just a tremendous 2020 campaign. He made eight starts for the Tribe, was 4-2 and two with an earned run average of 2.28. That followed up a, a really solid rookie season back in 2019. So, boy, he's starting to find that sweet spot where you like to be in terms of experience. Still has that youthful exuberance to it just 26 years of age and as he heads into this season we asked him to take a look back to last year and what has allowed him to have so much success in an unusual year for everyone in baseball especially last year with the stoppage of spring training the delay then summer camp and for Zach he missed some time as well after breaking protocols but he managed to put it all behind him and have a good year and he explained some of the keys to that good season. Um, I would you know just say it came from an organizational standpoint, we just came together as a group and really put together a good foundation of what we think would be appropriate for us to work on, what load um, we should carry in the off season of how we should work and how many throws in our throwing progression and all of that, you know, just being communicative with everybody and, and talking about things. I think, you know, our whole life we've played baseball and there's been different times where we weren't playing through certain seasons, you know, so there's been different ramp ups throughout our whole life. Um, really being smart, listening to your body, um, being consistent with your work routine is something that is very helpful. Um, and then obviously working with the pitching coordinators and other pitchers around our org that um, are doing the same thing we are, you know, so we're just putting together good plans 
And I think we put together a great plan in order to get back and feel ready to, to pitch in the spring. You know, one of the, the big questions that a lot of people have for just every starting pitcher in baseball is, is how many starts can they make? How many innings can they log this year because of the unusual calendar year? And, and how do you view it? What, what do you think you can do this season if you stay healthy? Yeah, if everything goes good, I think I, I don't want to miss a start, obviously. You know, I think I'm, I'm shooting for a goal at 200 innings. And every time I take the mound, I'm hoping to go nine innings, you know, and as many innings as I can give to put our team in a position to win, I'll, you know, I'll cherish that. So really, I've been working this whole offseason to, to have the foundation to be able to sort of last the whole season and to make sure I'm in a good spot physically. And a lot of your off-season spent in the Los Angeles area. It seems like you, you move around a little bit in off-seasons, and I know some players like to have that home base that they go to. What are some of the advantages for you that, that say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try this this year and, and maybe something different the following year? Yeah, last year I was in Tampa, and, you know, this year I was at home for a month and then went out to L.A. Um, really, I, right now, it's it's. I wish I could have a home base sometime, you know, but at the same time, being able to expand and see different things and experience different places is something that is lucrative to me too. So I think just at the end of the day, I'm going to hopefully know where I'll live for a long period of time. Um, and then at that point I can maybe buy a house and have a residence, but until then, you know, I'm just going to enjoy being in Cleveland for the summer. And when the off season comes, find the right place to go, that's going to be healthy for my mind, going to be the right place for me to train and put me in a position to come to camp the following year in a good spot. Taking a look back at last season, some of your numbers were just off the charts, uh, strikeouts to walks, things like that. Uh, when you kind of look back at the year and, and use that to, to build for this season, what were some of the things that stood out to you that, that you really felt you made progress with? Um, I last season, I think the consistency with the slider was excellent. Um, I got it to where I, I wanted it to be You know, the majority of the time. Uh, fastball command is going to be very important. Um, and commanding the off speed just in general is going to be very important. Um, I'll be able to mix up a heater that runs up and then a curveball off of that this year and then have the slider and change up that work down in the zone as well. So I think I'll have a good, a good mix um, that I feel more confident about this year even than last year just because of the whole foundation I've built. I felt like I was in a good spot last year, but I think after this offseason and working with um, some of the pitching coordinators, we're, we're pretty dialed in. And your last start never happened. Uh, you were supposed to start game three of, of the mm -hmm. postseason series with New York. Take us through the night of game two, knowing that, that you would have pitched a deciding game the next night if it worked out well for the Indians. What was that night like for you? Yeah, it was it was a roller coaster, that game. Um, you know, it, we were in it for, for most of the game. And I remember like midway through the game, I, I went to the float tank because – I was getting prepared to pitch the next day, you know, and I remember waking up from the machine cleaning the float tank because I had overslept in the float tank while I was lucid dreaming. So I ended up getting woken up by the machine vibrating, go to the, it's like the seventh inning and I go out to the, you know, the field. It's like, we're winning and we're losing. And then, you know, it's down to the wire. And it really just felt like a roller coaster of emotions that, you know, I was, I was ready to pitch, you know, physically, mentally, but that night in general was, just painful because we lost, you know, and the season was over, but, um, you know, hopefully in the future I can have an opportunity to pitch in a playoff game though. And you come to spring training this year and there, there's some fundamental roster differences this year. 
Uh, how do you look at things as you head into this season, as the Indians try to, to keep being one of those teams that, that other teams have to really keep an eye on? Yeah, I think uh, more, you know, this year than any year, we just are going to have to come together more collective, collectively as a group. Um, some of the superstars we had are, are gone and there's different roles that are going to have to be taken for multiple, multiple players. Um, guys are becoming leaders. Guys are not be rookies anymore. Guys who are, you know, new to the, new to the big leagues, got to take the next step and establish themselves as, as players. And so it's going to be, it's going to be fun because right now we have a lot of energy buzzing in the clubhouse and a lot of guys are excited. There's a young group who are all ready to rock and everyone's really just chomping at the biscuit out. He mentioned roles, and, and this time a year ago, I mean, it seemed like you were going to make the rotation, but I guess it wasn't 100%. Um, now you could look at it as, say, you're, you know, you're right behind Shane Bieber battling for uh, top of the rotation honors, and, and how do you look at that? Does that change how you approach things at all? No, I mean, it really doesn't. I think I've just become more understanding of, of what I need to prepare and what I need to do to be ready to pitch Um in camp and really just I'm going to continue to work hard. I'm going to continue to work on my things that I can control and my strengths. Um, and at the end of the day, no matter what five starters get thrown out there, we're all confident in each other and we're all feel, you know, it's all one as a group, you know, there's no numbers of one through five. Um, so whenever it's my time to pitch, I'm the number one, whenever it's Beaver's time to pitch, he's number one. When Savali's pitching, he's number one. So, you know, that's the kind of mindset we have and that's the kind of mindset we're going to keep going with. That's Indians pitcher Zach Plesak, who the Tribe is counting on to be a stalwart in their starting rotation, which looks to be shaping up as a strong one once again. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll visit with one of the bright young prospects in the Indians farm system, third baseman, maybe outfielder, and maybe some other spots too. We'll talk about it with Nolan Jones when we return after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. And now a game of Commercial Chicken, brought to you by Progressive, where we see how long Flo can go without talking about insurance. Ready? Go. So, um, have you noticed how everyone's grammar is completely awful now? Like, you know, the texting and the LOLs. Whatever happened to punctuation? I mean, drivers who switch to Progressive can save big! Okay, you win. We can't help but save customers money. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive Jim Rosenhouse, along with you this weekend from Goodyear Ballpark in Goodyear, Arizona. Great to have you with us for Baseball Talk on the radio. Well, the Indians uh, head into this season with a bursting farm system that has been rated among the top ten best in all of baseball, depending on on who you read and and uh, who is doing the judging. But uh, by all accounts, it's a very strong farm system, and right near the top of that prospect list, Nolan Jones, who has been a third baseman throughout his minor league career as he gets closer to the big leagues. But this offseason, the Indians asked him, primarily because they have a pretty good third baseman in Jose Ramirez, they asked Nolan Jones, can you be more versatile, try the outfield, maybe some first base? And he did just that. He went to instructional league, and he says heading into spring training, he feels very good about the versatility that has become a big part of his game. 
um versatile uh, i think i can i can play the corner outfield positions i could play third base i could play first base um i think this off season for me was all about versatility um if i'm able to hit hopefully being able to get my bat in the lineup at some point um and i feel comfortable at this point that i could play um really any corner position um, on the field so i think that's definitely a big advantage for me to be able to to be able to play anywhere had you played outfield at any point in your career prior to this i have not actually yeah it was my first experience in the outfield i may have when i was way younger but i was a shortstop growing up and right when i got into pro ball i transferred over to to third base so i have i did not get to spend much time in the outfield so it's been a pretty cool experience for me what was the biggest challenge for you you know it's it's a lot different you're a lot further away from the ball and the ball moves a lot more um i think people take for for granted what these outfielders do it's pretty it's a it's a tough position um reading balls off the bat is is really difficult um something i'm still getting used to playing the sun um learning how to field the ground balls obviously differently than as an infielder because I got to make a longer throw. So there's been a bunch of different things that I've had to take into consideration and the coaches have been great helping me through the whole process. And have they laid out a, a plan for how the spring's going to go to, to allow you to take advantage of the versatility? Uh, no, they have not. So I'm, I got an open mind. I'm ready to, I'm ready to play wherever I see my name. So I'm just, I'm excited. You're like so many other players who were, were trying to make their way to the major leagues a year ago and kind of got hung up, hung up in no man's land where you didn't have games to play at, a, at the minor league level. Um, how did you make the most of the alternate site and, and the, the opportunities provided there? Yeah, I mean, I think there was two ways to look at it. We could have either been, you know, mad that we weren't playing um, or weren't where we wanted to be, or we could take advantage of it, like you said, um, and I think we had a we had a we had a good group at site two that really took advantage of it, and we were able to work through things. We were able to play uh, sim games every day. We weren't able to field a full defense, but as far as hitting and personal defensive work, um, positionally, we got a ton of work in, and I think I got a lot better. I those coaches um, obviously wasn't where they wanted to be either. Uh, a lot of them had to take sacrifices away from their families, but came every day, and we just tried to get better and make it fun. I think that was the main thing we just wanted to keep it loose and make it fun it wasn't it could have it could have gone like i said it could have gone two ways and we we kept it loose and just tried to find ways to get better every day and challenge ourselves maybe it's a, a stretch to to say it's a benefit but was there any benefit to to oh. being so close to cleveland and and living there and being close to the big club yeah absolutely i mean i think like i said there was a ton of benefits from site too obviously being getting to know the cleveland area um so on the debut, hopefully uh, one day, um, be comfortable up there. It's not a new, not a new new place. We've been there a little bit. Know where to go to eat, get our breakfast and stuff like that. Um, but there was definitely a ton of benefits. We, like I said, we were able to to, to work you, during the season. You don't really get to get that individualized work every single day because you got to perform at night. Um, so we were able to every single day get everything out of it. And as far as third base for me um I really think I improved there we worked a lot on the plays we went through and sat down at the beginning and said what aren't you good at let's look at video let's look at statistics what aren't you good at and basically just hammered away what I wasn't good at all year every single day so that was pretty cool and, and you're back in in big league camp you were there a, kind of a late ad last year and then it got shut down early 
Um, and I know the the protocols make it a little bit different this year, but nice to to come in at the start of camp and, and have it be a true big league camp for you this year. Yeah, I mean, I think any any time you get an opportunity to be around these guys is is a special one. And there's so many things you can take away from these coaches, the, the guys. So getting an opportunity to be here. Obviously, last year was a little different. I was coming off the thumb injury. Um, they were building me back up and, and got the late call. But this year, I spent a lot of time out here in Arizona. So I've, I'm pretty used to the area at this point. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to get things going. And, and at this stage, with at your age, what can a year further along mean in terms of, of just maturity, strength, all that kind of good stuff that, that could be helpful? Yeah, I mean, like you said, maturity and strength are the two biggest things. I think all offseason I was able to – actually all year, really, because we were at the site too. Um, we were able to really dig in on my body. I lost a lot of body fat. I put on some good weight. Um, and then maturity-wise, I learned a lot about myself. I learned – I struggled a lot. Um, we're not playing. Um, conditions aren't the best. Um, stuff like that. So I learned to mature a lot, appreciate um, appreciate everything, uh, like these opportunities. And, yeah, it was definitely a, gr- a good year for me, a, a big learning experience. I know you, you lived in different spots in the offseason, but how's your buddy Tristan McKenzie? <laughs> He's awesome. I got to see him a couple times. He came down right after uh, – Right after their season, he came down, stopped by during instructs to say hello to everybody. He's doing great. I'm excited for him this year. He's got a, he's got a huge opportunity, and I think he's going to take advantage of it for sure. That's Nolan Jones, and it will be interesting to see uh, exactly how he works his way into the mix with his primary position taken by an MVP candidate in Jose Ramirez. We'll take a break, and when we return, we'll hear from Indians pitching coach Carl Willis. That's after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. But folks, this puppy isn't over. Bieber, fastball, he'll cut the fastball. Curve, slider, changeup. The one-two. Swing and a miss. He went back to the changeup. He doubled up on it and struck out Nicky Lopez to start today's ballgame. Welcome back to Tribe Talk presented by Progressive. You can join us each week on the show either on the Indians radio network, usually at some point on Saturday now that we're into game action and spring training, most likely just prior to the mid to late afternoon start times out here in uh, the Phoenix area. But uh, you can also pick us up on Indians.com. All the archived editions are there, and the same holds true in podcast form, wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Pitching figures to be the big key for the Tribe once again this season. It has been their bellwether in this uh, tremendous run of successful regular seasons that they've had for quite some time, really dating back to 2013 when Terry Francona took over the ball club last year, pitching just off the charts good, uh, either tops in the American League or second in Major League Baseball behind only the Dodgers in most of the major key categories. And at the helm of the pitching staff once again, Carl Willis, 
who is in his fourth season now as Indians pitching coach, in his second go-round as a tri-pitching coach, 11 years total in the organization as the Major League Pitching Coach and 18 seasons of Major League Pitching Coach experience. Along the way, he has now worked with five Cy Young Award winners after Shane Bieber won the award for his performance in 2020. And when we visited with Carl earlier this spring, he talked about what he enjoyed most in seeing Bieber put together the type of season he did. You know, 60 game schedule, 12 starts. Uh, I mean, it was it was dominating from beginning to end. And uh, I, I just feel was so excited for, for Biebs because of how hard he works, how, how much he cares, and uh, to see all his hard work uh, come to fruition and, and him put together, you know, uh, a season, albeit abbreviated, it's still a heck of a, you know, a three-month run there. Um, so, you know, he's not satisfied, and that's what the most exciting part is. He He's still out working hard, trying to make himself, you know, even better than he was last year. And, uh, and I don't know that he can necessarily do that, but if he can tweak some things or add another pitch like he had the cutter last year when the time comes, um, you know, he, he's just such a competitor. And, and it was a ton of fun. To, to be a small part of. And how, how do you balance that, uh, his willingness to, to look at some things to try and get better with knowing that what he did was really, really good, historically so in some cases, and not wanting to mess that up? Well, you know what? I think that if you, if you go back and look at the history of our game uh, and some of the, you know, Hall of Fame caliber pitchers um, that, that had lengthy careers, you know, they all, I mean, you continually have to to make adjustments because hitters, and particularly in today's game with all the video and the data, um, you know, you, you kind of start to get figured out, you know, in terms of how you like to sequence or what the ball is going to do. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> at the end of the day, um, we use a lot of technology to, uh, to get feedback and, and find out where our pitches are. But, uh, but the biggest feedback you know, always comes from, from the opposition and the hitter. And so um, doing a lot of work with that and, and um, trusting what we do well and trusting what we're having success with, that, that's really uh, a key to success. So it's a great start for any pitching staff to have a Cy Young Award winner returning. Uh, since last season, you've lost two cogs to that rot- rotation and in uh, Mike Clevenger during the season and then Carlos Carrasco afterwards. But it sure seems like there is enough depth there and, and some new arms coming on the scene that it could be really exciting again. And, and what are you seeing going into spring training in the early stages of camp here that has you excited from the rest of the group? Well, look, we, we love our depth. <clears throat> we love the caliber of our depth. If, if anyone could look and, and find, you know, um, a weakness in it, it, it's probably experience. And, 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 you know, everyone needs to, to develop their experience and, and, and realize and uh, experience it. So, um, you know, you look at a Zach Plezak who has, has, has come up over the last couple of seasons. Um, it's very, very effective for us. You know, last year, minus a little hiccup there during the season, um, you know, he, he was certainly, uh, I feel like, one of the better stars in the American League. Now, uh, again, we talk about a 60-game season being consistent over a long haul and 30 starts. He hasn't experienced that yet. Um, it's our job to to help him 
learn how to navigate that season. Um, you look at Aaron Savali, you know, similar, uh, has had success at this level over the course of the last two years, never experienced the 162-game grind. So, um, you know, sometimes we forget that's part of our job as well, the coaching staff, not just working on development of pitches or how we're going to attack, but, but how to physically uh, be able to navigate uh, that long season. Um, Cal Quantrill. Tristan McKenzie, Adam Plutko, you know, all those guys last year, um, you know, pitched effective. Tristan came on the scene and, and had a tremendous first start to his major league career and, and was able to make about six starts and, and really maybe with the exception of one, give us an opportunity to win baseball games. Um, Cal, who's competing for a spot in the rotation, uh, while he pitched out of the bullpen last year, I think we saw his stuff and his – his competitive spirit. I mean, he's not afraid of anything or anybody. He goes right after hitters. Um, and, and then you don't even start to touch the surface of a Logan Allen and a Sam Hinge and a Scotty Moss. So um, we love that depth and, and they're continuing to mature. And we feel like, um, you know, we're, we're very uh, blessed to, to have the quality of people we have competing for our rotation. It's a question that I'm sure you'll get at the start of the year throughout spring training and probably really hit home uh, maybe in July or so. Uh, the the long season this year coming off a short season a year ago, and how do you handle starting pitching? And you kind of touched on it with the amount of names that you just rattled off. But uh, say it for a Bieber, a Plesak, a Savali who want to make the 30, 32 starts or so. Uh, it What are the concerns there? Uh, because of the shorter season, and and do you think that there's been enough done to to kind of stem the tide on those concerns? Well, I think so. The guys did a tremendous job in pre preparation for spring training. Number one, uh, number two, yeah, it is it is unusual. It's well, probably never happened coming off of a sixty game season. But the one thing that hasn't changed is you know, the manager and certainly the pitching coach and the entire organization, um, <clears throat> we work really hard to try to protect our guys, um, allow them to go out and compete and succeed, but keep them healthy. And, and sometimes we have to make difficult decisions, you know, uh, whether it's taking a guy out of a game or, or skipping a start or, or skipping a bullpen session. Um, but those are things that, that we're going to have to pay very close attention to this season. And, uh, and I think if we do our job with it, um, I, I think we'll be able to navigate it. Certainly our depth, uh, more likely than not in any season, you know, that pitching depth is, is so, so important. And, and I believe it'll be even more important this year. And as spring training begins, uh, you're getting a staff prepared for, for another season. Uh, maybe it's different because of everything that's gone on in the last calendar year, but are, are there still certain things that, uh, are tried and true for preparing a pitching staff for, for the 162 game schedule. You know, Rosie, no doubt about it. I mean, if, if you were able to be here, uh, if you came in the clubhouse and you looked at our daily schedule, um, it looks different. You, you may get lost in figuring out, you know, where do I go? And we got these pods of players and smaller groups at the end of the day, and this was a message to the pitchers, we're still getting the same work done. We're just kind of doing it, you know, um, in a different sequence or, or 
you know, in terms of how we rotate through the fields and what time we show up and what we do, you know, we're doing the same things. The timing uh, is a little bit different and, and the size of the groups are a little different, but um, we'll be prepared. I feel very confident about that. And for the Indians, they've been in a stretch that it's been tremendous. They're contenders every year for a while now, almost a decade. Uh, still that same feeling because of, of the leadership and, and a, a group of players that's still here that, that this team will will give other teams in the division a tough time throughout? Absolutely. I, I think it starts, you know, that attitude and that belief starts with our front office. It certainly uh, starts with our manager, Terry Francona. Um, and, and, you know, our players, I mean, look, um, I don't know that there's a team in baseball that could roll over and replace Frankie Lindor or Carlos Carrasco, two pretty established players. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think our front office did a tremendous job, you know, getting some talent back that, that we can see help us in areas that we needed help in. And, um, Really, it all comes down to pitching. And and if we pitch like we're capable of pitching, we're going to be having the opportunity to win a lot of baseball games night in, night out. Um, that's what it's all about, and we feel good about it. Always fun to catch up with Carl Willis, Indians pitching coach and one of the best in the game at, at melding experience and uh, that old-school pitching style of coaching with the new analytics and everything that goes along with that to make pitchers as good as they can be. And the Indians do that about as well as any team in baseball. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll talk about one of those who's taken advantage of all the resources the Indians have. That's reliever Phil Maton after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for the previews to start in a movie theater. Hey, you want anything? Popcorn? Soda? No, nothing. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you for our final segment from Goodyear Ballpark in Goodyear, Arizona. Tribe, on this Saturday, if you're tuned to this on Saturday mid-afternoon, getting ready to take on the Chicago White Sox in their seventh spring game. The Indians 4-2 and two so far on the Cactus League schedule. Phil Maton has been a key for the Indians' bullpen in 2020 and figures to be once again in 2021. Last season, the first where he really was in a meaningful spot in a big league bullpen. He was acquired via trade from the Padres two summers ago, and he has, as much as anybody really, taken advantage of all the resources that the Indians provide to pitchers, whether they're new to the organization or coming up through the minor league system. Uh, they really try and find the strengths of of each individual pitcher's game, and uh, Maton, no different, and he says he's so pleased with the progress that he made in 2020 as a, a validation for all the hard work he's put in. Uh, I think it was just kind of, it showed, um, kind of showed that all the work I did initially with the player development staff the previous offseason, it all kind of paid off, and I was starting to see um, progress from where I was two years ago and starting to become the pitcher that I want to become. Um, 
stuff was a lot better. Um, had some tough luck with some uh, some outings that really inflated the ERA and some other stuff. But uh, overall, I was really excited with how the year went and uh, definitely a good building block coming into this year. I know in spring training, you were the the regular spring training. You were really looking forward to the season. Were you concerned at all about the, the layoff and, and how that might impact you just from that standpoint of, of not being able to carry some good feelings from the spring on into a regular season as normal? Oh yeah, definitely. It was definitely every, all, everything was clicking on all cylinders uh, by the end of spring training, but obviously all this happened and uh, we didn't get to start on time, but it was a good opportunity for me to uh, kind of touch base again with the player development staff, you know, with all the pitching coaches and, and really use that time to dial in my delivery and fix a few things that didn't have quite time enough time to finish up in the off season. So uh, really it was just more of a, it, was a, it allowed me to tweak some stuff before season and really sharpen everything up. What's that feeling like when, when you get on the mound after doing all of that work and seeing it result in, in consistent outs and, and really pitching the way I'm sure you, you hope you could. Yeah, it, it was just, it was really exciting. You know, just the difference seeing the ball out of the hand, um, having a lot more confidence in my stuff. Um, it definitely, it was, yeah, it was very rewarding to see all that work kind of pay off. And um, I don't know. I mean, I'm really looking forward to uh, this year. I mean, that's, I feel like I'm night and day a lot better than I was last year. So I'm looking forward to it. You mentioned that. What, what have you done this off season to, to kind of continue that real good progression? Well, this off season, it wasn't so much as an overhaul like it was in uh, 2020. This was more uh, fine tuning some things, really getting comfortable with the movements that they're teaching and um, just becoming more consistent. So it's not, you know, throw one day really good. And then, you know, next outing balls spraying everywhere, um, just really tightening up the delivery so that it's not, uh, don't have such a huge difference between my day to day, um, stuff delivery as much as as all the the mechanical part of it um what does it mean to, to any pitcher to to have the confidence in your your manager and pitching coach to know that they're going to put you out there in, in key spots because you've earned that oh i mean it, it's i mean i think confidence is almost more important than stuff at times i mean if you don't think you're going to get guys out you're not going to get guys out and uh you know having you know such a great staff that you know put me in some really good situations last year to get outs. I mean, that it's uh, really rewarding and uh, gives you a ton of confidence. So I'm really looking forward to this year for that. I know it's early yet, but there's several new faces in there battling for spots in the pen. And um, what do you see as, as you go through your, your daily routines here in terms of, of potential for what has been a real good bullpen in recent seasons? Oh, I mean, it, it's, I don't know. I feel like everybody always is kind of sleeping on us and saying we're going to have weaknesses here and there. And, uh, I don't know. We're, I mean, we're going to be able to throw it this year. We got some arms in our locker room. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to be, I, I think we're going to really, really surprise some people. I know Austin Hedges was in here yesterday and he, he was saying you don't really want to single anybody out because I mean, here it is early in spring training and uh, it's really impressive to go out to the mounds and see the stuff that people have as a pitcher. Do, are you able to notice that or are you so locked in on, on what you're doing? Oh, I mean, it's uh, more guys start showing up. So your catch partner kind of changes every day and you know, you'll occasionally get someone new and it's, it's, it's always the same thing. You're like, man, this guy's nasty. Like, you know, you gotta, can't really take a, take a throw off because otherwise you'll end up getting hit. I mean, we, I mean, we, we just got some really good arms here. Right? It's really exciting. When, when you look back at, at the early portion of your career, you, you had some opportunities with San Diego, but, uh, 
looking at it now, maybe even more so than, than when it initially happened, being acquired by the Indians, what has that meant to you and your career? Uh, I mean, it's been a complete turnaround for me. Uh, coming from San Diego, uh, fastball velocity, I was barely over 90 miles an hour in 2019. Uh, just delivery was completely out of whack. Uh, didn't know what I was doing wrong. And then immediately getting traded over, and it was they knew we had a plan from day one, what we needed to do, delivery stuff for that year, what we were going to do in the off season. And then even coming into this off season, I mean, day one, coming into the complex, we had a plan for what we were going to work on, what we were going to fix to prepare myself for spring training. You live there year round out, out in the, the Phoenix area. Uh, yes. So going to spring training, it's not like you're making this big trip to get out there. But with that said, uh, what does it mean to you to, to get started on a, on a new season with spring training beginning? It's just really exciting. I mean, uh, the biggest difference, obviously, is just all the bodies in here now. I mean, we had a really good, really good group of uh, guys out here this offseason, but uh, it, it's just really exciting to see all the guys show up and kind of start to piece together what you think the team's going to look like. And, uh, I mean, it's really exciting. I think we're going to have a really good squad this year. And Indians reliever Phil Maton, who figures to be a key part of the Tribe bullpen in 2021. That's going to do it for our show this week. Thanks, as always, to Brian Matze for helping to put together Everything back at our network studios. Also, thanks to Bart Swain for lining up our interviews throughout, uh, throughout the spring. Bart, part of the Indians PR department, along with Corkberry Tripp and Austin Controllis, all doing a great job down here in Goodyear. Until next week, when we join you once again, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance.